Man, I'm glad y'all are in church today. Are y'all glad to be in church today? Well, glory. Get your Bibles out and just throw it right open. Because I don't know where I'm headed exactly this morning. I just know it's good. I've got so much to preach today. I'll try to be uh, concise and, and, and deliver you just a, a good message. But, uh, man, I got a lot stern on the inside of me. Now, if you were here last week and, and, and watched the message, you know, I was preaching about the kingdom of God and trying to get a reality of the kingdom of God. You see, people don't believe the kingdom of God's real. There's so many Christians out there in the world. And you got to understand, I'm preaching to you guys right here, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, you, you, you may, I'm, it's kind of like preaching to the choir sometimes, but there's a whole bunch of people out there watching the broadcast today. So I'm, I'm reaching a lot more people than just y'all. I have to keep my mind thinking about that. And uh, there's a lot of Christians that don't believe the kingdom of God. Uh, there's anything to the kingdom of God. They don't believe that, that God's going to do anything. They don't believe that God's alive, that God's well, that they basically are like, you're trapped here on this earth until you die, and then you're going to go to heaven, and then that's the extent of their belief. And, and if Christians would get together and understand what the Bible teaches us about the kingdom of God and what, what is the reality of the kingdom of God and what is real and what is not, and what is, then they would understand a little more about what's taking place on the face of the earth right now. Okay? The Bible says in the last days there'd be deceiving spirits come upon the face of the earth. All right? You have to be deceived by a devil to believe that killing a child would be a beneficial thing or a way to do population control. All right? You, you just got to be out of your mind to believe that. Okay? So the only way you can do that is get deceived. Well, there's a lot of Christians deceived about, well, there's no need to pray. There's no need to, you know, we go to church. It's like you get a gold star. You get your little, you know, thing, and you just went because you, you, you don't, then you don't feel guilty, you know. But that God's not going to do anything else for you. But that's not right. That's not true. So this message I taught last week and I want to teach on today is about trying to get us to, to grasp the reality of the kingdom of God and what it really means. And so, you know, first off, I started off last week, I told you the kingdom of God is not of this world. You can't drive to it, right? You can't set your, you know, get your, your navigations and, and navigate and type in kingdom of God. And it's going to say, well, you know, we'll take I-35 and head north. You know, it's not going to you, you're not going to get that. All right. Because it's not on this earth, but it is in this earth. Hello. Okay. The second thing I talked about was that the only way you can enter the kingdom of God, like, like let's say, um, when, I used, when, when I was traveling overseas a lot and, and you go into the, and you go through customs and you, 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 you get into the place where they want to see your passport and you pull that passport out and you show it to them, you know, it grants you entrance into that country if they're in, in agreement with you, your country, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying. So you pull out the old blue U.S. passport, whoop, go right through I've told you all this story. I never, you know, now, I, I, well, last week I said this. I've got a lot of hope, which I know it's not probably going to happen, but I'm just hoping that, you know, Texas secedes and that we get to have a Texas passport. Can you imagine how much, I would have so much pride in a Texas passport. I mean, have the big star on there. I'm from Texas. I mean, that's what I say anyway. Never tell anybody I'm from the United States. I'll say, I'm from Texas. And, but I remember one time traveling into Germany and we were going through, uh, uh, and this was early on uh, when I first started traveling. We went through customs and, and we're going through the immigration part of it. And, you know, it, it kind of shocked me because everybody was standing around with a machine gun. And you just don't see that in the U.S. And, and you walked in there and everybody's standing there. The guards are standing there with their machine guns, their big coats on everything. And great big old boys, you know, they, they must size them up before you can get in there. I mean, they ain't no little ones. And uh, I, I was kind of intimidated. And this is the day you used to be able to still carry a pocket knife with you. And I had one in my pocket. And so I buzzed and I kind of freaked. And, and the guy walks up and he's in his dealing his machine gun. He looks at me and says, cowboy, maybe you have a big pocket knife. <laughs> and I said, I, I wouldn't call it big, but uh, uh, yeah, I got one. And so I pulled it out, showed it to him. And he said, go on. The next guy that was right behind me had, had been kind of ugly in line. I'd noticed him kind of pushing people around and, and he was had a French passport because I saw his passport. And when he came through there, he buzzed and they just threw him against the wall, kicked his legs out from under this guy standing up there like this and they just frisked him. I was like, oh Lord Jesus, thank you. That didn't happen to me. I'd have probably had a heart attack if that happened, you know, but that old passport meant something. Well, people don't think about that, that the kingdom of God, you know, it's not in this world, but we do have a passport into it. 
right? You have a passport into it. And it's, the Bible says that if you seek the kingdom of God with all of your heart, you will find it. So we can enter into the kingdom of God through our seeking of our heart. That was last week I was talking about that. Okay, so then it's at any time, at any point, there's an entry point into the kingdom of God because you don't have to be at a certain location to enter. You don't have to be at church to enter the kingdom of God because it's at your beck and call. That's what the Bible talks about. That was the third point. The fourth one is, is that you can always enter the kingdom also through repentance. Every time you have a heart that just said, Lord, I'm sorry, boom, you're in the kingdom. Hello? Now, if I'm going too fast for you and y'all didn't hear the message last week, go back and listen to it again. But you don't, I, I got a lot to preach. Okay. The fifth thing was, is that there's a transformation that takes place to, uh, in you once you enter the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus. He says he transfers you. He takes you out and transforms you inside and then transfers you out into the kingdom of God. Amen. Then the, the seventh was, is that everything we're doing on this earth is doing nothing but preparing for what's going on for the eternity in heaven with Jesus. Okay. The eighth point was, is that persecution comes along with it because people don't like Christians. They used to, they don't anymore. I want to get into that today. Says it that those that are in the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There's always violence trying to steal the kingdom of heaven from the people of God. And then the last point was, is that not every person, hear me, not every person that claims to be a Christian is really in the kingdom. Okay, so here's where we're going to go to. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Now today I want to talk to you about some things that happen in the kingdom of God that just, they happen. They're, they're the same laws in effect, just like the law of gravity. There's nobody in here that, I pray you don't doubt that if I drop this bottle of water, it's going to hit the ground. It's not going to float. One of these days I ought to get something and get a bottle full of helium or something, and then I'll stand up here and say, y'all just believe that, and I'll drop it, and it'll float up, and everybody, ah! But for today, I don't have that illustration. But nobody doubts that, right? We, if you don't think, if you, if you drop something, Guys, have y'all ever dropped a screw when you're trying to put something together? You don't look on the ceiling for it, right? You look on the ground because the law of gravity is there. Nobody said, I dropped something. What are you doing? I'll drop something. I was trying to find it. Nobody looks up. You look down. It's just a law. It happens. You don't think about it. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an automatic response. When you drop something, you look down, right? Well, the kingdom of God has some laws in it and some things that happen to take place in it that they happen once... Look, the screw that's laying on the table does not fall unless you move it, right? You have to knock it off. If you're like me, when I'm putting something together, I have multiple screws, multiple nuts, multiple bolts, whatever I'm doing, and I just drop them, and then I don't pick them up. And at the end of the day, then I get to the, the, sweep them all up, put them all in there, and put them back in their bins because uh, it's just too much for me. It just seems like nowadays I drop everything. So I just get more bolts and just put another one, just reach up there. I drop it. I just don't even forget about it. I don't even look down. I know it's down there somewhere. At the end of the day, I'll sweep it all up. Well, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Brethren, join in following me and my example. And note that those who walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship, here, listen, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. Everybody say, I'm a citizen of heaven. <laughs> You're a citizen of heaven if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Amen? So you do have a heavenly passport. It's marked in your life by the blood of Jesus. You don't, you don't get to touch it right now. You don't get to, you know, like be able to pull it out and show it. Or do you? Because I'm telling you, people know who's a Christian, who's not. You know how they know it? By your actions, by the smile on your face, by the way you handle people, by the way you conduct yourself. Not by the way you dress or by the way you look or if you're tall or short or 
you know, you know, whatever. Not that, but what's in your eyes. One thing I can tell you in all this mask wearing, you know, I don't necessarily get to see people's face, and I, sometimes I can't tell who's who. Somebody will say, hey, Pastor Robert, I'm like, who are you? Okay? But one thing I have always done is I always look people in the eye. When I'm checking out at a store, I'm looking the person in the eye. I'm wanting to see what's behind them eyeballs because the Bible says that the windows are the, I mean, the eyes are the windows to the soul, right? And you, 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 sometimes I've looked and said, whoa, I wish you wouldn't have, you know? But there really, is a, there really is a visible sign of the passport of heaven in your life if you're a Christian because you ought to be able to see it in your eyes, all right? But he says, our citizenship is of heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the work for which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. Amen? So you are a citizen of heaven because you've asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Your citizenship is of heaven. I know where I'm going. Hello? Okay. So getting that point down, let me show you a few things here that happen automatically. Now go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 3. Luke chapter 4, verse 3 says, And the devil said to him, the devil speaking to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and said to him, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, Here's the devil, Beelzebub himself, and he's coming against Jesus. And Jesus totally stops him in his track because he says, look, man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by the word of God. The kingdom of God, this is point number one, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God runs on God's word. Do you hear what I'm saying? The fuel that runs it, it runs on God's word. Now, you know, some of you may be embarrassed and not want to raise your hand on this one, but how many of y'all remember a floppy disk? Okay. Now, if you have a floppy, okay, if you had a floppy disk, I can still remember the first computer we ever had here at the church. And, you know, it was, it was a, I don't know what it was, I guess an old Macintosh, and it had those floppies in there. We had these stacks and stacks of these floppies, you know what I mean? Literally, folks, the, 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 I'm going to get myself in trouble here, probably getting too technical. But I mean, what was on a floppy is probably not any is couldn't even contain what you have in just the little the littlest thing on your phone today. One picture. There you go. Thank you for that. One picture was a floppy. And man, we were excited. We thought we were like George Jetson. <laughs> One picture. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Think about that. One picture you take. That was a floppy. And we were so excited. I mean, we were like into the space age. <laughs> Hello? But you know, if you've got a floppy today and you're trying to run that software, you're not going to get anywhere, right? Because it doesn't compute. It doesn't work together. The, the, the softwares and everything, that there's, no, that there's no way you're going to get on to it. Right? So there's Christians walking around. And yeah, they gave their heart to Jesus, but they're still walking around with a floppy. They still got the floppy trying to communicate with heaven. And God's gracious for them. And his grace is there for him, but he wants you to step on up into the faster speeds and get more going. Amen. Are you with me? Yes, Lord. So you got to understand the kingdom of God, it operates, its operating system is the word of God. I had this message all kind of already prepared. I've been dwelling on it ever since I've got last week's message and putting things down. And then this morning I was just up reading my Bible, doing my daily reading. And then I just, it just all got blown to pieces. I had to go back, renumber everything. I was adding stuff, telling my wife, preaching to my wife. Oh my God, look what it says right here. And I was just telling her, I, I love the word, man. I love the word. Look at it. this. Starts lining up and this lined up with that. And this is over here, you know, and everything got changed. Why? Because I read the word. God's operating system is his word. If you're not in the word of God, you're walking around with a floppy. Just remember that. 
you are floppy. <laughs> when we did the construction, some added onto the sound booth back here and got this going, uh, I had to crawl up underneath it to do something. I started laughing because there's a, 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 a space between the floor and the wall and things can fall down there and things have fallen down over the years. And because the sound booth has been back there for a long time. And first thing I pulled out was a cassette tape. I mean, we went from eight tracks right to cassettes. And all of us know what it's like to get a butter knife and, or something, a screwdriver, and stick in there and try to wind your tape up because the thing ate it or trying to splice it and try to get it back in there, right? And so then I dug around a little bit more. I was underneath there, and then I found CDs, right? Stepped up a little bit, but CDs, I mean, we don't even use CDs. It can even buy a CD player. I mean, you know, I, anyway, just the way things advance, right? Well, if you're still stuck using floppies trying to communicate with the kingdom of God, folks, you're in the wrong place. You're not going to get the, the, the revelation you need from heaven. If you say, well, I got saved and I went to Sunday school and, you know, I remember, I know, I know a few of the stories in the Bible and stuff like that. No, but it's right here. It's here. Why am I got y'all reading the New Testament this year? Because we've got to get it down. We've got to keep expanding. We've got to keep growing. We've got to keep moving with the things of God. It's not a story you read once. It's the living word of God. And the whole kingdom of God operates off this system. All right? So let me show you something here. Go into the Old Testament to the book of Hosea. Hosea. Don't feel bad if you have to go look at the front of your book to see where it's at, you know, front of your Bible. But Hosea, if you find Daniel, you went too far, go back towards Matthew. Hosea 6, 4. Hosea was a prophet, and he's speaking what God's saying, telling him to say to Israel. He says, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness, listen to me. If your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like early dew, it goes away. That's what he said about Israel. He says, you're like, you're like, you're like the fog. You roll in, but as soon as the sun comes out and the temperature gets white, it all goes away. He said, that's what your faithfulness is like. We as Christians can't be like that. We can't be those people who are only faithful on Sunday. Are only faithful when we're in trouble. That's what's wrong with the Christian church today is because we have gotten to the place in life where we're not faithful to God continually, always going, 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 learning, growing, 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 growing. We just got to a certain place and then we're just living life. He goes on here and he says, therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. In other words, he sent prophets out to preach, to declare God's word, or let, I'll use the word preach, preach God's word, because in it, he was bringing conviction, or he was slaying the people because his word was going out. Why? Because that's the way the kingdom of God operates. That's why I've told you all we've got to pray for preachers in this land that will rise up in America and preach the gospel. There's no other solution. I'm sorry. We're never going to vote it back in by just natural human effort. There has to be a move of God in America. There has to be a move of God, and the only way it's going to come is preachers have to preach. And when preachers preach the word of God, the true word of God, it goes out into the hearts of people that have ears to hear. It convicts their heart, and they change. Amen. Now, there's a lot of people out there that the Bible calls fat-eared. They don't hear. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't do anything about it except just keep preaching. Just keep preaching, preaching, preaching the word of God. That's what we have to do. We have to be preachers of the word. Listen, the world doesn't need your opinion. The world needs the word of God. Look at the person beside you and say, that's good. I'm telling you, too many people going out there and giving their opinion. They need to know what, know what, is, what does the word say? What does God line up with? What is God saying? Okay, so just think about this. If the word is what is slaying the people, then 
it kind of makes sense right now. They want to shut the church down so that the church has no voice to go out because then they're not convicted and they can do whatever they want to do. I mean, there's no sense getting upset about what's taking place right now in America. You, you, there's no sense sitting around chewing your fingernails, biting. I'm telling you, God's got it under control. Everything's going to be okay. All we have to do is deal with ourselves and our own hearts. All right? We need to pray for America. But there's no sense just sitting there saying, oh, oh. Because you're going to have, if you do that, you're just going to be emotional mess. All right? You can't listen to the radio. You can't listen to news. You can't do that. All right? You just, I'm sorry. You just. Uh, you, getting true information today is kind of a difficult thing to not be led astray. Have y'all noticed how fast television has just gone to the dogs? Commercials, everything is just, I mean, it's, they're pushing an LGBT agenda so hard and so fast. And I'm just like, and I think about my grandfather. My grandfather was a godly man. He was a person who who instilled in me like, like what was right and what was wrong. He was a superintendent of the school. He was a uh, Baptist deacon, you know, and he was always proper, always, always wasn't uncultured like us rednecks. You know, he had a little more class to him. His hat was always just right, smoked a pipe. He always looked sharp. And I think about him sometimes, and I think, what would he what would he, how shocked they would be if they saw the television today? You know? And that's, I mean, that's not that long ago, right? And he would just, I mean, I, I just can't imagine his reaction to that. I never heard my grandfather cuss. You know, I never, uh, uh, uh. only one time I ever saw him got irritated, and that was when his bird dog chased a deer. Got pretty irritated then. But other than that, I never saw him. He was a proper man. You know, he came from East Texas, loved to hunt birds. Well, he, he was always trying to teach me bird etiquette, like you never shot anything on the ground. And me, I was like a little heathen, you know, I'd catch a covey of quail on the ground, and I was going to get off as many shots as I could because to me it was about massive bird. I wouldn't doubt, you know, and he, oh, he would just, oh, he would get me over there, just talk to me like I had just committed the unpardonable sin, you know. He carried his shotgun under his arm. He was always just, you know, very... Very proper. You can tell it really rubbed off a lot on me. <laughs> it was other matters he influenced me on more. No. My point is, is that we would be, they would be shocked at what's going on because they, they lived in an in a, in a, in a era of right and wrong, black and white. Hello? And now today everything's crazy. But they don't want the church to be speaking, and they want to shut the church down because, see, God said right here in Hosea 6, 4 through 7, that his word's going out, and that's how he sculpts and, and hews the people and slays the people and convicts the people with his word because that's how the kingdom of God operates. He went on down here, and he said, uh, let me read again. Therefore, I have, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And your judgments are like light that goes forth. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But like men, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt treacherously with me. Now, it's interesting because in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, Jesus uses this passage of Scripture to talk to the Pharisees. It says, now it happened as Jesus said at the table of the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down to eat with him. Tax collectors and sinners. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to the disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard that. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But I go and learn, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and I sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He quotes Hosea. In other words, quit being the Christian that your faithfulness goes away like the dew, like the fog. Quit being a Christian that, that says, oh, I know the Bible. Oh, I read the Bible once. Oh, I know what it says. I know the stories in the Bible. But you're not even operating them because God's looking for mercy, not your sacrifice of what you've done. 
You're not going to be able to go to the to the to, to you know St. Peter at the pearly gate if it really works like that. But I'm just just give it to me here. If you go to St. Peter at the gate, you're not going to be able to pull out and say, "Well, I read the Bible twice and get in." Right? It's not about the sacrifice that works. It's like a person once told me, he said, "Yeah, I really am. I really am fasting a lot." I said, "Really?" I said, why? Well, I need to lose weight. And then the Bible talks about fasting. And so I was going to do it. I said, well, you're, you're fasting for the wrong reason. Just call it weight loss or fasting to God. It, it is not the same. You can't go on a diet and say, I am righteous. Oh, da, da. I have denied myself sugar. Right? It didn't get you no brownie points with God. Come on. But we humans are idiots, and we try to do things like that to make ourselves look better before God so we feel better about ourselves. And Jesus said, look, man, I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to slay you is the Word of God. All right? Now, favorite story of mine, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is the story where Jesus, the, 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 the multitude's pressing upon him, and he, he, he's running out of room. And so he gets Peter, first meeting Peter, he ever had with Peter, and he gets in his fishing boat, and he says, push out a little bit from the land so, you know, the people, they ain't going to come out here in the water, and I can get me a little buffer between me and them and preach. So Peter's listening to him preach. Just imagine this. Here's Peter. He's a rough fisherman. He's out there. He's washing his nets. He's doing all the things, getting all the seaweed, whatever, out of his net. He's in there washing, getting them all salt water off of it and going through this whole ordeal of getting these nets clean. While the whole time he's listening to what Jesus is preaching, right? Look down at verse 4. So Jesus stopped speaking. He says, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. Now, he just got them clean. And I'm sure he'd have thought, why didn't you say this before? But Simon answered and said to him, oh, master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Look here. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Folks, we got to move on the word of God just like Peter did. You know the story he went out, let down the nets, caught this huge catch, right? Because he was operating on what the word of God said. He didn't have a Bible. He had the word, right? But it's the same principle. It's the same principle. It doesn't change. This is a living word. Uh, the other day I was, I was sitting around kind of, you know, like trying to figure out what could happen so that maybe we could be prepared. It was all me. It wasn't the Lord involved. It was just me, you know. And so I thought, well, what if they, what if they shut down printing presses and they didn't print a Bible anymore? This is the thought I had. So I look at my wife. We got any? We got any extra Bibles up at the church? You know, I mean, what do we got? We got some cases of Bibles around somewhere. Or something. Maybe we need to buy, you know, a truckload of Bibles. This is what I was thinking. You know, because I get kind of crazy. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. I just stopped and I started chuckling. And I said, you know, there's a million Bibles in everybody's home that they don't even read. I bet you, right here and amongst us, all of you good, godly people, if I told you. Keep your favorite Bible, keep the one, and bring all the extras you have to church. We'd probably fill this building. Right? I mean, if you're like me, man, I love Bibles. I see a Bible, it just looks pretty. I buy one. Before all the technology came out on phones, you know, I, I, had, I, I had like 27 different translations of Bibles that I would go look through, you know, when I was studying to to prepare a message, and I'd go look through all these things, and then I'd find one. Oh, there's, a, there's one that's got five parallels, you know, and I'd go, whoo, man, I'm uptown now, really smoking. It's just like that old floppy, you know. Nowadays, all I got to do is go on my phone and click, 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 and then got it in Chinese. Have y'all ever downloaded, I mean, you know, like some of those apps, your phone apps, you know, you can have the Bible reading in another language. Have y'all ever done that? You ought to try it. I got the one the other day and put it down in Hebrew. I started listening to Hebrew. I said, I want to hear what it sounded like. I just started chuckling. I was like, really? I'm like, well, anything I thought I could have possibly said properly in Hebrew, I wasn't anywhere close. You just, it, 
A South Texas accent just doesn't fit on Hebrew very well, you know? But no, you can get the Spanish Bible, you know, have it, just have it read it to you in Spanish or whatever like that. But I'm just saying, we could get a lot of word, right? We get a lot of Bibles. We've all got them. Isn't that funny? We have hundreds of them sitting around. But do we read them? Do we, are we looking at it like, ah, I've got to hear from God. <gasps> I mean, sometimes I'll just get at the house like eating lunch. I play flip up on the Bible. I do this. Right there. Oh, let's see what it says. But you, O Lord, know me, and you have seen me, and you have tested my heart towards you. Goes along with my preaching. I could have added it in. (laughs) But I'm just saying, Peter heard the word. He said, nevertheless, that's your word. And what happened? A great catch caught. We've got to get to be that way, Christians. We've got to be those people that are held on because we understand that the kingdom of God works and functions on God's word. His covenants and promises he gave us, they're all in here written down, all in here written down, and they're for us, but they don't become active in your life until you begin to take in the word of God and speak the word of God in your mouth and declare, Lord, your word says to me, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper, and every tongue that's going to rise up in judgment against me will be condemned. (laughs) I'll be, I didn't know that one. Right? Or that day you're feeling like nobody, not even your dog loves you. But John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. You can stop and say, Lord, I thank you. That's the word of the kingdom. God, you love me and you love this world. God, I am loved by you. Boom, man. Loneliness and depression can just leave your life. Well, I don't know. All right. Number two. I'll get down to that part. Number two. You've got to understand that the kingdom of God is about deliverance and power. There's no defeat in the kingdom of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're contacting the kingdom of God, it's about deliverance and power coming back into your life. Luke 4.18, the first message Jesus ever preached. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting Isaiah 61. But he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, Recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaimed acceptable year of the Lord. That's the deliverance of the kingdom of God. That's the victory of the kingdom of God. There's no defeat in the kingdom of God. There's not a section in the kingdom of God of whiners. Those who aren't happy with the kingdom's business. There was only one person, one created being that ever came against God. And the Bible says when he rose up, he fell out of heaven like lightning. So there wasn't much of a fight. It was, I, end of him. Right? The Bible says the kingdom of heaven, there's no more crying. There's no more tears. There's no more any of that going on. Okay? So the kingdom of heaven, you got to understand, is about power coming into your life. Listen to me. You don't get saved so you lose something. You get saved and you gain everything. People, just listen to me. Listen to me. I, I, I marvel at people sometimes because they're like, uh, well, you know, you get saved. All they want you to do is quit drinking and dancing and smoking, cussing, you know, the big four sins. Hello? So what I'm saying to you is, wait a minute, everybody's, you know, if you're looking at it like that, you're looking at you're losing something. But no, no, no. The Bible says you gain the whole world. You gain the power of God coming into your life for victory and deliverance and 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 captive setting free and whatever. Kingdom of heaven is not about losing something. Kingdom of heaven is about gaining everything. Mm, mm, mm. The third one here. I need to go on here quickly because I'm out of time. Lord, mercy. The third one is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Now, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you something here. And it slaps me too. I mean, I read Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and it's like a giant hand comes out of the Bible and goes, psh, 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 psh. be anxious for nothing. Oh, but you don't understand. President Trump lost the election, and he lost the election, and no Biden's already gone in there signing things, putting all things in order. Oh, wait a minute. 
Uh, right there, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be anxious for nothing. Well, I know, but that's, that's what's going on in heaven. Sure, if things good in heaven, it's down here on earth where we're living. <laughs> I mean, does be anxious for nothing mean be anxious for nothing, or, or what does it mean? Only be anxious for nothing when everything's going good? I'm guilty myself. I stand here as a guilty man. I can get worked up until my wife slaps me, tells me to be quiet. Settle down. What do you preach all the time? Gets my message, puts it on TV. You need to sit down and listen to this preacher. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, there's nobody can fly off the handle quicker than I can. And I have to go back and, and you know, one time I had a vision. And, 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 and I was on a horse and I was riding a horse with this horse. I was trying to like hold the horse back. The horse is just wanting to go. And I said, well, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, I'm me on a horse. Why don't I turn that baby loose? Let him run. He says, no, I just put you on the horse to show you you're the horse. <laughs> and I'm trying to hold you back. I was like, oh, liked it the other way better, Lord. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. I told y'all when I, 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 the denomination I was raised up in that the, the preacher used to every Sunday, it was part of the service, he'd get up and he would read the prayer request, all right? And he would say, okay, we need to be praying for, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and you go down to this whole list. And then the next was the announcements. This week we'll be having funeral for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so I, as a kid, just was sitting there listening, and I was like, well, wait a minute, the person who was on that list one week is on this list the next. It's like, man, you don't want to be on the list. I mean, as a kid, I said, don't. Go, don't put my name on the list. I, don't we get over there on that list, man, because when it's from that list, then it's to this one, and it's the service. <laughs> Hello? I had no, no faith that prayer would work, right? I prayed prayers all the time. When we were in high school, we had to play Fall City in football. We were a small 1A school, and they were a large 1A school, and we had to play them. We would get down there, and the guy across from me had a beard. I looked, I was like, good Lord. And I prayed. <laughs> oh, God, don't let this guy kill me. You know, there was a prayer. But there was no faith in the prayer, right? It was like this, revel this, this like I had a knowledge there was a God. And I had a knowledge that like maybe, you know, like magic, like Merlin the magician, he might do something. But there was really no faith in the prayer based upon my knowledge of what his word said to me and what were the promises and the covenants of God. It was just a prayer of hope of just, oh, oh, you know, something. I prayed when I was too drunk to drive home. You know? Right? I mean, that's just the way that, that you did things. It wasn't about faith in it. But folks, it says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So the kingdom of God, a minute prayer is issued out of your mouth based on faith in God's word. It's heard in heaven. And so we're supposed to not be anxious. How many of you have ever ordered something that you wanted? you know, a toy, and then you're checking its delivery. You know, now we have tracking. Used to you just waited until something came into the mailbox. But not nowadays. We got the phone out, huh, because it's bigger than a floppy. And we're looking. We're checking it out. Where is that thing? Oh, that thing's in Dallas right now. Whoo, come on, baby. And then we're, oh, yeah, yeah, made it San Antonio. Okay, man, San Antonio, what takes those people so long? They ought to be able to get that thing and just take an hour and a half drive San Antonio, get the thing up in here. What's going on? Why haven't I got my package yet? And then we go check it. And then we see there, call back there, hey, if y'all put up all the packages, you know, we're going through the whole thing. Looking, 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 looking. That thing should have been delivered by now. And I don't, oh, so is that the way we're doing prayer? We've made our request by faith known unto God and spoken to him. And so, but then we're still just over here checking it all the time. Why hasn't it come? Why hasn't it come? Where's it going? Something's wrong. Call, call somebody. Call. I don't know who. Call somebody. Where's my package? Whoo! And then uh, heaven help. It says it got delivered, but it's not in the post office. <laughs> then 
tirades go off and cursed everybody. Lash, your tongue has flown out and destroyed buildings and everything everywhere. Because you didn't get your package. And it's been two days, you know. Oh, if they'd have sent it that other way, that other company had got it here, you know. Oh, they didn't know that. Just cursed everything and everybody. Is that what we're doing with God in prayer? We throw up a prayer and then bang, we want that thing to happen. But the Bible says what's the first step that comes from prayer is that you're supposed to then not be anxious for anything because you know your request had been made known in heaven. And so therefore, peace of God comes and rules in your heart. And see, we, we were hard headed. We said, well, I have some peace when it gets here. So let me take you to the next one right quick. I'll do one more. So that brings us into the law of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, what's the it, faith? The elders obtained a good re- testimony or a good report. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which were invisible. The first two things operating on the face of this earth when it was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, according to Genesis 1, the first two things that started operating was the Word of God and faith. The first thing that's going to have to start working in your life in order to have a vigorous, vibrant relationship with the Lord in your life and operating in the kingdom of God has to be the Word of God and faith. Verse 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you're trying to just do it with the word, but no faith, you get nowhere. Do you hear what I'm saying? Throwing the word of God in God's face does not make God move. You said, you know, if you're praying like that in the morning, you said, God, no weapon that forms against you to prosper. Something's prospering. That's using the word, but no faith. It's got to be in conjunction, faith in the word. It's got to be where you read in here and you're like, ha, 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 I didn't know it said this. Wow, that's a part of the package. This is amazing. Thank you, Lord, for giving that to me. That brings such peace to my heart because that's what your word says. Woo, thank you, Lord. Faith in the word working, faith in the word working, faith in the word working. Not praying and then looking. Not pray and look, because it didn't happen. Pray and look. It's just like going to the phone and checking that package. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all, we're all guilty. We all stand guilty before the Lord. So according to 1 John 5, 14, this is what a prayer of faith looks like. Now, this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. Say it like you mean it. Like Say it like you have confidence. 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 That we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ooh, confidence that anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. And so then if you stop right there and you don't read the next verse, you're like, yeah, I know he hears me, but he ain't doing nothing about it. He ain't trying to, you know, just sitting up there, got tabled. He put me in the spam file. No, but it goes on, it says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's that's what a faith-filled prayer looks like. Look, folks, you can't get mad at the company that you ordered something from if the next morning it's not in your hand. But that's what we're expecting from God. I'm saying all this because three days ago I ordered something. (laughs) Seriously. And, And immediately on my phone, I had never even noticed it before. When I opened up my mail, there was a little truck on there and it said, your package is on the way. Well, I thought it meant my package had been delivered. And so I said to my wife, how could they think I got here? Just like, I mean, like I just, just last night ordered this thing. How could that thing order me? She said, well, you sure? She said, I said, it says it's delivered. So I went and tracked it, went through this whole thing, you know, and then so I, I went through this whole thing, but see, see, I hate to admit it, but I'm not too, I'm not too technically advanced sometimes. And I kept going back to the thing, but it wasn't updating. And so I wasn't getting the new update, and I just kept looking on. Then I got mad. Well, where is that thing? They said the thing was being delivered. Showed me the little truck. Got a little truck over there. Oh, I should have had that thing. 
So I picked it up right before I came to church. It was there. It's a good thing it was. We might have had a hell, fire, and damnation message this morning, you know. But we're like that with God, folks, and we've got to stop it. We've got a prayer. We've got to be anxious for nothing. We've got to have prayer, be anxious for nothing, sit and let the peace of God rule in our hearts and know that whatever we've prayed, it's going to happen. Now, you know, what you, James 1 says, don't let this don't be like the waves of the sea up and down, doubting. He says that man's going to receive nothing from the Lord. Why? Because one moment you're in faith, the next moment you're not. One moment you're in faith, the next moment you're not. One moment you're in faith and the, you listen to the devil and then he takes you back down and then you're over here fighting voices going on in your head saying this and God's not going to do it and he isn't going to handle this and this isn't going to happen and that ain't going to take place and I don't see anything moving. And oh God, where are you? What are you doing? And I know there's a lot of people that were disappointed over the election. I was disappointed over the election. But I know that there's a whole lot of stuff come out. and this, They're going to do this, and this is going to happen, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And folks, after a while, you just have to stop and say, Jesus, you're in charge, and you're going to make this thing happen. You're going to, you're going to bring it out, and you're working. Whether you see it or not, you're working, God. You're moving because why? I know what the kingdom of God is about, and I understand the kingdom of God, and I understand how the kingdom of God's going to operate. Now, I'm ending at this. One thing that you have to understand, church, is that when Jesus came on the earth, the age that we live in is called the dispensation of the age of grace, the dispersing or the dispensing of grace. Grace came upon us. If you lived in the Old Testament, pre-Jesus on earth, okay? Let's just put it that way. Pre-Jesus on earth. Then basically when Israel sinned, judgment came upon them. Are y'all with me? And so Christians, sometimes we get our theology mixed up because we want that to happen. In other words, we want to be standing in the light of the good circle of grace. But we don't want grace nobody else. We want grace over us. We want the light shining on us and grace coming down on us. And here we are. We're in grace. And so we mess up, but it don't make no difference because we're in grace. But everybody outside that circle, we want God's judgment to come on to instantaneously. Hello? So we come up with all kinds of scenarios to bring God's judgment upon it. But the real truth of the matter is Jesus came and gave all of us grace. And sometimes I don't like it either. Sometimes I just wish, you know, a little fired ball. Right? And we say, why is this happening? God, why are you allowing this to happen? It's called grace, and it's called the free will of man. And in this dispensation that we're in right now, anyone can turn at any time and ask Jesus to come into their heart, and that person can be saved. Hello? But God is not going to violate their free will. God's not going to come upon anybody and make them serve him. Y'all with me? So therefore, we got lunatics that don't want to hear the word of God, want to do what they want to do, want to take a nation and go the wrong direction. And you say, why hasn't God stopped it? Because of grace. Because his desire is for every man to be saved. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you got to think about it for a while, but it does make sense. Because of the next thing coming on the face of the earth, I'm not talking about like tomorrow, I don't know when it is, is when God turns to Jesus and say, go back and get your people. Then that changes. And no longer is there the dispensation of grace. We turn into the age of the tribulation and the wrath of God. And then, folks, let me tell you something. Judgment will take place. You go read the Old Testament. You find all kinds of stories, like the story of Hopni and Phineas, the wicked priest that took the ark into the middle of uh, the Philistines and the Philistines capture the ark and they take it to the house of Dagon and the statue falls down from the presence of God. See, we want that. But with that comes the judgment of God. And the judgment of God isn't going to come until he stops this dispensation of the age of grace we're in. Right now, the biggest and best thing we can be doing is preaching the gospel because it's his word that brings the kingdom about. This is why it's so important we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel everywhere we can, in every form we can, in every way we can. 
We got to preach the gospel. Because that's the only thing that's going to convict hearts, slay people, and bring them to the place they need to be. Amen? So, good news is, kingdom of God's alive and well and working. We just got to get in there. Quit using your floppy, throw it out, and man, get you a better system. Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up. If you would stand up, can I have my prayer team come down, please? If you're out there listening and watching the broadcast today, I just want to tell you, man, I'm glad you tuned in. Make sure and tell somebody to turn to, to, to listen. Get them, help them to get find the channel and get everything going in their lives. But listen to me, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first place you got to start. If you're in this building today, hear these words too. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior within today's the day, you need to make him the Lord of your life. You need to throw out all your crazy system of thinking, and you need to ask Jesus to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you of your sins and to wash you in his blood so that you can be righteous before him. It's a real simple thing. All you have to do is what I've just preached. You've got to pray and you've got to have faith that Jesus is a man of his word and he'll do what he said he'd do. So if you're out there, just right wherever you are, just stop and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you today that you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for our sins. I believe you arose from the dead. And I ask you today to forgive me of my sins and wash me in your blood. And when you pray that from a sincere heart, he will come into your life. He will touch you. He will save you. He will set you free. He will begin to transform you. And everything I've preached on the kingdom of God becomes yours. You just have to learn to walk in it. If you're in here today and you're not sure if you're right with Jesus, well, that's why I have prayer team up here today. They're all up here and they'll pray with you and help you and, 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 and to, to come to know Jesus. If you have any other requests, anything else that you're anxious for today that you need to do what Philippians 4, 6 says, pray so you can have the peace of God in your life, come up front and pray with them and watch the peace of God touch your life. So if you would join that person's hand beside you, I want to bless you and pray over everybody in here. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that, Lord, as we leave this building, we do not leave your presence. We do not go from your presence, Lord. We want your presence to go with us. And I ask you to bless every person in here. Put your hand upon them, O Lord Jesus. And as they go out into the world, let us preach the gospel. Let us tell people about you, Jesus. Let us see the kingdom of God working in people's lives and in our life. And, Lord, we repent today for being anxious we repent today from being so fast in tracking your prayers that, Lord, today we just ask for the peace of God to come into our life and to set us free so we can walk with you. And, Lord, I ask you to bless them. Put your hand upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you if you need it.